loves the Lord, say amen. Take your Bibles and find Leviticus, and it's chapter 15. Leviticus and the 15th chapter, hadn't the Lord been good to us? Leviticus and the 15th chapter. Father, would you take and touch and heal us and help us, <coughs> strengthen us and stir us. Lord, we'll be careful to love you and thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. And all the Lord's people say it. You can actually be seated. I may read the scripture all night. My burden and exhortation in my soul tonight is connected with where we left off this morning. And in in Leviticus 15, verse 1 and 2, And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When any man hath a running issue out of his flesh, because of his issue he is unclean. Now, does anybody here have any issues? Y'all got to help me better than that now. I'll go down the road and bring a soul choir back and get me some proper help. Anybody here got any issues? Well, there's a chapter for you. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord put me in Leviticus the first part of this year. And it's a sanctification book. Leviticus tells us how to be holy. Be holy, for I am holy. One thing that grates my spiritual nerves out of the modern megachurch contemporary movement is they have a little slogan, a little motto, and that is just, just everybody be real. Well, I hadn't found that verse in the Bible. Be ye real as I am real. It's cute and quaint and quite quippy. I don't know if quippy is a word or not. But it's a nice little quip. Be, be ye real as I am real. Never seen that one. You probably don't want to see the real me. This book's our first and final authority. I don't care how slick or smart it is, we can't build the church no way. No matter how much slick, smart stuff people come up with, it's supposedly the latest thing to help build the church. I ain't worried about building the church. I heard him say that I'm going to build the church. (laughs) He said, you're just Simon Peter's all you are. Thou art Peter. (laughs) You're a little rock. Upon this other rock, this big rock, upon this rock, 
There's one rock, and it followed them around in the wilderness. What if you'd have been in the wilderness seen a big rock following them? He got it. Water coming out of it. Hallelujah. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen. I didn't find in my Bible where it said, Be ye real as I am real. <laughs> and for all the other contemporaries, they didn't say, Be ye hip, uh, for I am hip. <laughs> for the, everybody over 50, I wasn't referring to your hip. <laughs> he said, I did hear what he did say, Be ye holy as I am holy. Somebody said, well, we're just being human. Yeah, that's a big problem. That's going to be a real problem right there. Therein lies the problem. And Leviticus tells and gives us insights into what this holiness business is all about. Now, I want to stop and say, thank God for positional holiness. That means that right now, in glory, in heaven, in the courtroom, I'm already there. I'm justified and I'm glorified. You can't do a cotton-picking thing about it. Ain't a devil in hell or the, the biggest, baddest devil can't do anything about where I am and who I am in Christ. There is positional sanctification. He hath made me holy. And one day there is going to be a perfect sanctification. Thank God she was singing about it. The grave ain't going to hold this body down. And when we leave out of here and drop this so this vile body will be changed in midair. And honey, it's going to be wicked till you get the glory. Amen. It's going to be wicked till you get the glory. And I'm not going to fuss about denominations too much, but you do watch out for Pentecostal holiness people. They will bring a spirit of confusion. That was free. That was free. I won't even charge you for that. That was free. Pentecostal holiness people will bring a spirit of confusion in the body of Christ. Anybody that don't understand that the cross saves to the uttermost don't understand anything else either. You can't tell me about Jesus. You also can't tell me about the Holy Spirit. I wish I had somebody. You mark you you mark people that come in the back door talking about the Holy Spirit. It's quiet in here, brother. The Holy Spirit ain't about himself. He don't talk about himself. He talks about Jesus. That was free too, that right there. Honey, somebody comes in that door full of the Holy Ghost, they're not trying to get you filled with the Spirit. They're trying to get you filled with Jesus. Somebody come in that door filled with the Holy Spirit, they're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. They're talking about the gift of the Savior. Amen, neighbor. That's exactly right. I want, I want, I want to make a little announcement to you that I am positionally... I am positionally holy, holy, holy in Christ. And one of these days, I'll catch up with where I'm already at. 
Amen. Good friend of mine wrote the song, Brother Lawson. I am not what I am, but I already am what I'm going to be. That's positional sanctification and finally one day perfect sanctification when I'm no longer in this old body where the law of sin is running through my members. But there is a matter of practical sanctification. That's where I'm living at right now. In the courtrooms of heaven on the record book, you won't find none of my sin. You'll find all of His righteousness. That's how saved I am. But the Holy Ghost walking with me down here ain't going to let me do everything I want to do just because I'm saved over there. And I'm saved over here, and He's going to see to it that I act like it. I wish I had somebody. He's going to see to it that I act like it. He wants me to act like what I am. Did your mama ever scold you and say, whatever your last name is, you're a MacNeese, now you act like it. The Holy Ghost says, you're a saint, now you act like it. And I'm glad you ain't one because you act like it. Your behavior doesn't, doesn't affect your birth, but your birth ought to affect your behavior. Amen. And you got to understand these things to be able to pop some happy bubbles about what I'm talking about. I'm glad God doesn't look at His children and see somebody with an issue and kick them to the curb. Thank God. Now, here's where I was going to. Brother Lawson, I studied. Rather, I wasn't studying Leviticus. Leviticus was studying me. Tearing me up. Can I get a witness right there? Leviticus was studying me and was reading my mail. And, and when I got here... Anybody got any issues running? I said, Yes, Lord. You got to help me. I got some running issues. I want you to underline verse 13. There's some running water. And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of an issue of his issue, then he should number himself seven days for his clean and wash his clothes and bathe place. Running water. Oh, I like that. Now, right here's a good place for you to holler hallelujah if I ain't knocked the wind out of you. Here's a good little place for you to pop a happy bubble. You just ought to circle them running issues and then circle that running water and draw your line from one to the other. I'm glad he's got something to clean my, clean me up from what's wrong with me. Hallelujah to God. Running issue. Running water. Now, here's my burden tonight, and I'm going to... This morning we left off with that threefold business. That three-headed hell hound. And we dealt with that transgression being forgiven. And really didn't get much further past that. Because it was too rich in here. We were slossing it. We fell off in the deep end. Wasn't no wading in the kiddie pool. And then that sin is covered, and I'm glad it is. But that iniquity, that stuff wrong with us on the inside. He took care of that with a spiritual imputation. 
When we have an amputation, they just cut it off. Can I get a witness right there? And I've got, I've got diabetes. I've got sugar diabetes. It has something to do with eating too much and uh, not exercising enough. Can I get a witness right there? And uh, I did lose some weight and started taking the stairs instead of the elevator. And I'm not on any medication, but I gotta, I have to watch that. And and I, they tell me that you gotta be careful. They might have to cut your feet off. Well, I've got the gout too. <laughs> and what they didn't know is when they said that they might have to cut my feet off, they're trying to scare me into doing right. I said, I've been thinking about that anyway. <laughs> and they got these titanium feet now. <clears throat> and I seen the fella on TV who said, he run real fast. I can't hardly run it. I wonder if I got some of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> he didn't look discouraged. I'm thinking about going ahead and just taking a preemptive move on this thing. Taking care of gout and diabetes and getting me some titanium space age. I mean, son, I'm thinking seriously about it. <laughs> I said, would them titanium feet ever get the gout? If it swelled up, I'm shooting it with a 357 magnum. You wasn't supposed to swell up and hurt. Well, I'm glad there's such a thing as a spiritual imputation. That is where he reached down and took all of the guilt of my sin and the verdict of my sin and the punishment of my sin and He took my sin and He took it off of me. Mm. He done a preemptive move on what was wrong with me. And He took that and He imputed it onto Christ. Now, my sin has been placed on Him and He died for me and died as me, and my sin is gone. So then I find a great mystery in Romans chapter 7, that what I would, I do not. And that what I don't allow is what I end up doing. Paul said, I've got something wrong with my flesh. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And he found another law of sin dwelling in his members. He said, and when I want to do right, it sometimes it really hinders me from doing right. And when I don't want to do wrong, I do the wrong. And so I've come to tell you that positionally, I've been made holy, but practically I'm being made holy. That's why I brought up that little unpleasant business at the earlier part of the service. Them Pentecostal holiness people are trying to attain sinless perfection and think they got to get there to be able to go to heaven. I got news for you. Jesus is my sinless perfection. And there's going to be issues coming out of your flesh until you, until you leave this world and, honey, trade this body for a glorified body. Now, if the Apostle Paul, let's talk about Romans 7 just for a minute, and I'll get over here to this glorious little truth that I run into. I'm glad there's a chapter for people that got issues running out of their flesh. 
Y'all got any issues? Coming out of the moral of your bone, coming out of the corrupt places, coming out. You got any, you got any wounds and sores, anything stinks and dying and infected? Can I get a witness? Y'all know anything about lust coming out of your system or coming through your You know anything about jealousy? You ever have a flash of anger? Where'd that come from? There's one thing I know about, about church. I know you can be shouting Sunday morning and ready to cuss Sunday night. They don't need lying about it. I'm going to enjoy the feelings, but I'm not going to be confused by them. Can I get a witness right there? <laughs> you can hug your wife Sunday morning and be ready to help her leave this world Sunday night. Now, y'all responded way too quickly on that right there. We might need a marriage seminar for about a month around here. Amen. I'm telling you, man could come down to this altar and lay here half an hour and draw nigh to God and on his way back to the pew break every one of the Ten Commandments in his heart. You could do it. You could walk back to the pew and there be somebody trying to be your enemy and you have a little murder in your heart, a little hatred before you even get back to your pew. Honey, look upon some woman scantily clad and lust jump up in your heart and before you get back to the pew, some old gal didn't know how to put clothes on and there you commit adultery in your heart. Murder and adultery before you even get back to... I'm so glad he understood that all this was wrong with me when he came to save me. Honey, on your way back to the pew, you can break the first commandment before you even get back to the pew. Your favorite God jump up in your head and you'll be back to loving on some idol before you even get back to your pew. Break the first commandment. You say, where does that stuff come from? Honey, there's an old law of sin dwelling in my members. I'm just so glad I found some help for somebody that's got some issues coming out of their flesh. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Pride. Unbelief. Doubt, discouragement, worry, fear. All those children of unbelief. Spend an hour down here praying, and on your way back, get proud of the fact that you was down here praying. And the very sin that brought the devil out of heaven, get kicked out of heaven and it hit you before you get to the pew. I'm just trying to tell you that we got some issues. Running. And, my, and, and mine, I've got something that run, Pastor. That open and putrid and sore and run. Run and sore. Issue. Let me say a little bit about Romans 7 and I come over here and, and, and pop a couple of happy bubbles. I'm so glad that the Apostle Paul was honest and wrote Romans chapter 7. If he hadn't have told me what a struggle he was having with his old man, I'd have quit in frustration my first or second year of of walking with the Lord. I'd have quit. So disappointed in myself 
thinking of how uh, probably I'd so disappointed the Savior. Of course, come to find out, he's not really all that disappointed. He didn't have any high hopes in any of us anyway. I think it's Isaiah 42. Probably is Isaiah 42. If it ain't that, it's one of them around there. I think it's Isaiah 42. Verse 4. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged. I preach a little message, Brother Lawson. Sometimes I need to pop that happy bubble around here. On He's never been discouraged. Jesus has never been discouraged. <clears throat> He's been a lot of things. He was... He was in pain on Calvary, and he knew what it was to thirst. He knew what it was to be tempted. He's experienced everything we've experienced, but he's never been discouraged. Scripture said he wouldn't be. One of the points in that message is he's never been discouraged with me. Surely you didn't think the first time he saw you mess up, the Lord's hand flew to his mouth. thought he was different than the rest. Come on, y'all. It probably surprised you did as good as you did as long as you did. Oh, he's never been discouraged with me. I heard an old country preacher preaching on that, and he said, I went and built me a fence. He said, but I didn't go down to the lumber yard and get that good pressure treated. Material. He said, I just picked up some stuff out of the junk pile. He said, I wasn't a bit surprised when it started rotting and falling over and couldn't hold up a good wind. Amen. He said, I knew what kind of material I was working with when I started. Psalm 103, for he knoweth our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. Hallelujah. And His mercies as high as the heavens. When He remembers, He scooped us up out of the dust. Do you know, Pastor, that dust is not even dirt. Not even good enough to be dirt. I'm keeping my King James Bible. Amen. It said dust. I bet the rest of them said cocoa powder or, or chocolate marshmallows or just, you know, anything but the actual Word. They tell me that dust is not good as dirt. You can grow something in dirt, but you can't grow anything in dust. What was that great? What was that famine, the dust bowl back in the is that in the thirties? Brother, that dust. No the preacher did a word study on that dust and said it's rubble dirt. It's dirt that's no good. You can't hold it together. Can't grow nothing in it. Any of y'all ever feel like you're falling apart? It's because you're made out of dust. <laughs> Fellas, if your wife ever just turned around and calls you a dirt bag, you got to admit to her, I'm not even that good, honey. I'm a, I'm a dust bag. And scripturally, she's got you there. And she wasn't made out of the dust. She is made out of your bone. The rib. The only scriptural comeback we got, but you can call her a bonehead, and that's about as 
I don't care as much punch as a dirt bag, you know, but God didn't want us to hit them as hard as they hit us. You'll never hear that in marriage counseling. <laughs> Usually when they say, bless him, Lord, they think I'm struggling. <laughs> Pray for me anyway. I just pick it up to see if you're all right. Keep blessing me. I was in a meeting one and I wasn't quite as wound up as I was used to. And all the old men on the front just looked at the floor and said, Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Uh, it looked like it was painting them. Thank <laughs> what I thought I was doing pretty good. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. I've been thinking on you, sis. Bless her heart. She probably won't never say nothing again. My apologies. Oh, I got news for you. <laughs> that over here wants to get his wife in this service right there. I promise I won't say nothing to her if you do. Aren't you glad he knows our frame? He remembers that we are dust. I'm so glad the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 7 and told me the truth about what he's struggling with. I'm going to say this about it. See, my sins are gone! And I'm going to believe that! But the old law of sin is still in my members. It's not in my spirit, it's in my members. I do believe that spirit, soul, body. I believe there's a distinction. And that Colossians two said, "You hath he circumcised who were dead." And amen. I've had a spiritual cutting away and cutting aside. Amen. I'm in here and I'm free. I just ain't been let out yet. <laughs> the other one, he sees me. He sees that lamb. He sees the blood. And he knows what I'm fighting against. The new man's fighting that old man. Brother Lawson, one preacher said this the other day, and I thought it was so wonderful. He was a white-haired preacher. He said, my flesh is pulling me down. And he said, it would like to take me down to some deep, dark, depraved places. And yours pulls the same way. He said, but the Holy Ghost is in there and He's a-tugging the other way and, he, and He'd like to take me to some high, holy, heavenly places. He said, as long as I'm in this world, He said, I'll never go quite, I'll never be able to go as far as that place wants me to. Come to a pull this way. Woo! said, but yet neither would I be able to get those highest aspirations I've always wanted to because there's a downward tug. And, but one of these days that tug of war is going to give way. There is a winner in this. And that old man's going to, I told you this morning, he's running on term limits anyway. Amen. And he's going to lose his grip and that heavenly is going to pull all the way. And I'm going all the way to where he wanted me to. If the Apostle Paul was wrestling with his flesh, it encourages me when I have to deal with mine. 
Think about these two things. Think about his conversion. Brethren, he didn't get saved by faith. Not so much. His conversion was by sight. Jesus talked to him face to face. Hey, yo-yo, what you think you're doing? That's the... That's my version. Jesus peeled back the heavens and had a face-to-face conversation, spoke with him. He heard him. Knocked him off his donkey. Blinded him three days. Wow! And then he had apostolic anointing. He was as one born out of due time. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. Miracles. Signs and wonders. Hey, y'all, I'm thinking if a fellow that got saved by having a personal conversation with Jesus from heaven and had miracle working power on him, and he wrote Romans 7, 25 years after being saved, and he's still wrestling his old man. I'm thinking that it might be normal that I'm wrestling mine too. I wish somebody told me that when I was a young Christian. Saved me a decade or two of real frustration. But I guess that frustration led to faith. Now I've got news for you. He knows that we've got some issues. And and my soul, my generation's really got some issues. Been betrayed, abandoned by mothers and fathers and have been molested and have been abandoned and have been abused and and, and our generation's got such issues, y'all ain't gonna believe this. The devil can talk a man into thinking he's a woman. Sir, you got some real issues if you stand there to man and you tell me you're a woman. Number one, back up about ten feet when you tell me that. Don't be like hugging me when you tell me. Don't be like, brother, I got a burden I gotta share with you. <laughs> I've got a knuckle sandwich I need to share with you. I hadn't said no sandwich in 20 years. That's fun saying that again. I got news for you. This generation's demon possessed. About the whole generation is demon possessed. Pastor, I've got this another sermon for another day, but I've been preaching Genesis 6 for about a year now. The days of Noah are here. And whereas Satan tried to actually hijack the human race and make it his in that day. I believe that was them sons of God, them angels interacting, not to use the other word, with women. He's trying to hijack the human race and make it his. And I think what's going on physically in that day is going on spiritually in this day. He's still taking over their bodies and possessing them, stealing their hearts and their minds. And He's going to make this whole generation, six billion people, He's going to make them His. He's trying to hijack the human race and He does have ultimate designs on owning this planet and this people. And you talk about a generation with issues. This crowd's interacted with demons. 
and are children of people who are demon-possessed. You talk about issues. At our Bible camp, you may, I may have done told you all this. I've told it a lot of places. We get our teen camp, and I do a Christian teen camp every summer. And uh, last year we had 12 churches piled up in there and bring their youngins in. Last camp we had, they began to give testimonies about suicide, how suicide. And, and I, Brother Lawson, you wouldn't even think it. And these teenagers, when that thing opened up and they started rolling, they started, there's a dozen of them testified on how they've been wrestling right there on the brink in the last three months of killing herself. There was a little girl sitting over on the side. She had purple hair and green hair and nuts and bolts in her eyebrows and her nose. And, and she's pierced and just everywhere. And her, and her pastor told me that she'd been cutting herself. Issues. Stuff in the marrow of their bones. Sin and Satan and sorrow and shame. Issues. Psychologists and psychiatrists have fed us a real big lie. And the biggest lies they've come in and come in the body of Christ and they've told you this. They've told you several things. If something's wrong with you, then there's really something wrong with you. I got news for you. There's something wrong with everybody ever since Adam and Eve sinned. There's not been a normal family since. <laughs> If there's nothing wrong with you, there's something really wrong with you. <laughs> Join the rest of it. We're all wigging out here. They'll tell you if you hit the bottom, it's all over. I got news for you. God probably can't even talk to you until you hit the bottom. In the kingdom of God, hitting the bottom ain't the end. Hitting the bottom is usually where God begins. He's one trying to slam you down to the bottom. The bottom is the beginning. They'll come in the back door and whisper to the body of Christ, and they've been doing it for 40 years. Jesus can help you with your problems. But if you've got real problems, you need professional help. And they've robbed my generation of faith in Christ. I don't want to open up a bottle of pills here, a can of worms. I'll say this, and you talk to your pastor if you have problems in this area. But I'm going to tell you something. It is a crying shame in our society that the medical doctors are putting everybody left and right on all these pills. I promise you one thing. You, if you didn't have an imbalance before, you will when they're done. I've talked to, I've talked to medical doctors and I've talked to psychiatrists. I've talked to so I wouldn't be blowing smoke. I've researched this for several years now. And I'm going to tell you something. All them pills do is space you out. And that's not how a Christian deals with his problems. Not by escaping reality and just floating around till you get there. I'd rather walk down into a valley with Jesus and have Him fix it, honey. No matter how deep and dark that valley is. 
issues. My generation has some serious issues. Now I'm going to say this and be done. Look at Leviticus 15. I got four little thoughts right here, and I'm already nearly done preaching. It won't take long to say these. I'm going to give you four C's. We're going to take vitamin C's tonight. How's that? Here they are, real quickly. And some of these are just little old thoughts, but they show they they make my happy bubbles pop. Number one, I'm glad there's a chapter for people with issues. <laughs> the Bible has your answer. Amen. Verse 2, when any man has to run an issue out of his flesh, I am so glad there's a chapter in the Bible for people that got issues. He came to die for sinners. That's all He came to die for. If you ain't in a mess, He don't know what to do with you. But everybody's in a mess. I'm glad there's a chapter. And i got news for you, honey. God's got answers for your problems. I don't care if it's mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, financial. I was preaching the other day and I mentioned that about these psychiatrist pills. And woo! I mean, they just shut down on me, Pastor. It's pretty bad. Come to find out everybody in there was on them. Everybody... And that upset. They got upset at me. It was a week-long meeting the next morning. I stood up and I told them. I thought through the night I was troubled in my spirit because I didn't want to hurt anybody. I really, really wanted to help people with their issues. And I told them the next morning, what you going to do here in a little while when God judges America and shuts her down? And there ain't going to be no bread trucks bringing bread. And there ain't going to be no gas trucks bringing fuel. And you ain't going to be able to get to your pharmacist. And when, you're, when your little orange bottle runs out for whatever you're taking, it'll be blood pressure or anything else. And you can't even get to the site. And if you could get down there to the pharmacy, it wouldn't matter. Their truck didn't run either. What are you going to do when there's no bread and no medicine? And I told them. The Lord gave me this wisdom. Pastor, I told them. We're going to have to do then what the church has done for 2,000 years. When they didn't have doctors and didn't have... I'm about to run somewhere. Where's that chandelier? Did y'all find which chandelier? Amen. You're going to have to trust Jesus! And He's been enough for several thousand years. We ain't found a witness yet that popped up and said, I belong to Him and He didn't come through. That one ain't been found yet. He's going to come through. I know people have been raped and people have been abused and people have been brother issues. But I pastored long enough to know this. The people in my church that had the worst problems had the most grace. I wish I had somebody. It was in people walking around with no problems that was always causing me trouble. That other crowd had been raped and tortured and ransacked and ravaged. All they'd done was cry and squall and shout and talk about what Jesus done for them. Woo! Now that I'm thinking about it, the only ones caused me trouble is one that had money in the bank and health in their body and their children were acting all right. They're always full of strife. 
It's that crowd that come in the back door crawling, crippled and lame and maimed and blind and been tore up by everything Satan could offer them. The other one come crawling in, held on to one of the horns of the altar and said, Woo! You ain't going to believe how good he's been to me! Now that I'm thinking about it, hallelujah, glory to God. Some years ago, some years ago in California, they built a false, an artificial atmosphere. Put everything in a giant greenhouse under a glass dome. Perfect weather, perfect temperature. Everything, this document, somebody, somebody Google it. Documented story. The thing covered I don't know how many acres. It was an experiment. And when they removed the dome and then let that thing get in the real world, first wind that come by all the trees that were strong and perfect and straight, they all fell over, first wind. And in their further studies to see what happened in their perfect environment and things grew up perfect, couldn't handle the real world. They found out that the wind and the storms, the best thing ever happened to a tree because everywhere it bends it, the sap runs to it to strengthen it. There's a happy bubble right in there somewhere. And they said the tree needed the bending and the flexing and the backwards and the forwards and the being thrashed around because the sap would it would stir up the and, it, and the sap and then when the real storm come it would be standing there strong because it had sap everywhere that it had been tried and tested. I'm going to tell you something. Those places where the storms have hit you, that's where the blood of Christ ran to. And you'll be stronger in your weak areas than you ever will be in your perfect spots. Oh, my. I said there's a chapter. That Bible. God, the Lord Jesus, He'll be enough. And you can and you can run to him. There's a place in that Bible for people like us. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a chapter for your issues. And I got news for you. The Lord's always had me a chapter. Brother Lawson, this is gonna sound kind of lame to the white haired people, but it's gonna really impress the youngsters. This is my 30th year preaching. I've been celebrating it all year. 30 years. Amen. 30 years. And, and 22 years in what they call full-time ministry. But preached my first revival 27 years ago. And this is my 30th year. And Satan's been trying to kill me for 30 years. He really has. And he's been trying to discourage me for 30 years. And he's been trying to derail me for 30 years. And he's been trying to confuse me for 30 years. And he's been trying to terrorize me for 30 years. And I can tell you this, I fought him for 30 years. And I've never turned around and run to that book, but what there wasn't something just right there that I could take a hold of. There's always been a sword handle. I've always pulled a sword out, and it always worked real good. You just pull it out and he'll run. You never usually don't have to stick him with it. <laughs> you just pull it out and, and, they, and they get gone. There's a chapter for 
your issues. Number two, there's a cleansing. There's a cleansing. This is so wonderful. In verse 13, you can put it in running water. And then over there in verse 14 and 15, there comes that blood, that blood atonement. Thank God. I'm glad there's a cleansing for our issues, people with issues. Running water! Oh, I chewed on this one, preacher. What is that running water? I said, what is that running water? Now, I promise you, when I read verse 2, I just started squalling because I've got issues you wouldn't believe. And I bet you do too. I just cried. Running issues out of the flesh. And I read on and the Holy Ghost took me. And I, got in, and I seen that. said he could bathe in running water. You mean somewhere there's running water that I can get in and it cleans <laughs> me up my running issues? Yes. Now water in the, in the Scriptures is a type of the Word of God, isn't it? So what is running water? I think it's the preached Word. I think it's when the Word, word runs over you. And to me, that running water is the Holy Scriptures being poured on you and the the Holy Spirit being poured on you. Mm. Brother, for 30 years, I've been able to go down to the Lord's house and get under some running water. 30 years, I've been able to go to my prayer closet and get under some running water. 30 years, I've been able to, when I couldn't get to my prayer closet or the church, turn and look at him. And he can run what he can give you a bath right in front of a hundred people. Hey man. And bathe him in running water. I'm glad the old song said years ago, I got under the spout where the glory comes out. That might be some running water. It was running pretty good in here a while ago. I thought y'all might should have sung about ten more songs about how good he's been and let that thing run wide open. Mm. They's all looking at me glassy-eyed when they's trying to shake my hand at handshaking time. Everybody glassy-eyed and crying and nobody looking quite right at me. It was running in here pretty good a while ago. It's running pretty good in here right now. That word being printed, not because I'm, it don't matter who, just any of God's men that are called to cl- preach that word. Running water. Honey, he can run that Holy Ghost through your soul, that comfort. I pa- I'm going to make this a short story. I pastored a dear lady, and uh, she got in her early 30s, and she began to have some great, great emotional problems. And uh, I mean, life-threatening when, when these things would hit her. And so we got together, and we prayed, and cried, and God gave us wisdom. And she had been... Uh, Raised on a South Georgia farm with a bunch of monsters. And from age 5 to age 14. It was unbelievable. Tried to kill herself three times just to escape it and didn't know how to kill herself as a little girl. Crushed a bottle one time, crushed glass and drank a whole thing of broken glass. And you know God, mercy in that little girl, she said, Preacher, drank that whole thing of crushed glass and nothing ever and she ran away when she was 15 
And she married some old bum when she was 16. And the things he did was not much better than what happened to her from age 5 to age 14. On an old demon-possessed farm hiding in... Hey, folks, the good old days wasn't all that good for some people. That's a lie and a farce, you know, that it's the first time that sin's ever been here. Man's always been wicked. Man's always been wicked. First fella got saved and the other man killed him for getting saved. And there wasn't a bar anywhere. There wasn't a Hollywood theater anywhere. There wasn't a dirty book anywhere. There wasn't an abortion clinic anywhere. And the man got saved and got murdered for getting saved. Man's always been wicked. Quit acting like it's the first time it's been this bad. She come to me and I... Of course, I felt the weight of that responsibility. What if something... What if she did do something to herself? I mean, I said, Oh, Lord, you've got to give me wisdom. It's not time for some college boy to tell you what he thinks. Well, I tell you... No, no, no. Somebody's life is in your hands. And uh, I talked to a couple of Christian clinical men, psychiatrists. They claim to be born again Bible-believing Christians. And I, we ended up doing this. We ended up getting the ladies of the church and husband and getting the, connecting everybody with the phones and agreed that whenever, whenever this thing hit her, that we'd all meet with her at the church and read the Psalms and lay on the altar. Yes, yes. Eighteen months she struggled and wrestled. We laid before God and asked Him to do what nobody else could do. Deliver her from what was killing her on the inside. The old boy told me such thing as repressed memories when somebody can go into a box when atrocious things are happening. He said she's not reliving it. said she's living it. For the first time, them memories are coming flooding her mind. I don't know a thing about that because I had a mama that prayed over me and a daddy that preached over me. I never will forget. We, we just believed the Lord and surrounded her with help. And it was a Sunday morning. I was sitting right here is where I sat in my church. I sat right there and the choir's up singing this thing and because he lives. And the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to show you what you'll do if you just come to me with your problems. We was singing because he lives. And she shouted, sounded like a siren from an ambulance. And brother, they was stuff come out of her for 20 minutes. She walked up and down it, and she was the quietest, shyest lady we had in our church. And she walked up in front of down the church. She had hair down past, down past her waist, past her long hair. And she shouted for 20 minutes. And never struggled again. Never. I've kept up with them through the years. Her three daughters came to hear me preach here a while back. And they, I said, how's your mama doing? They said, listen, they said, her daddy's a dying. And he was the sole problem and prognosticator of all that went on and all that he allowed. And said, he's a dying on that South Georgia farm. And said, Mama went down there and stayed with him. Wow. Said, everybody else is so wicked and they're all half of them's dead and they're all gone. Said, she's the only one there. And said, she helped him die. 
They said, <laughs> they said, Mama walked around that farm and held her hands up and shouted all over that farm. <laughs> said she took a cold cloth and wiped his brow and sang Amazing Grace and read the Bible to him and shouted. <laughs> I'm here to make a little announcement, honey. You let that running water and that precious blood Honey, it'll heal you where nothing else can heal you. It'll strengthen you where nothing else can strengthen you. It'll deliver you where nothing else can deliver you. You ain't got to space out and float in a hallucinogenic non-reality from here to heaven to escape what happened to you and what's, what the issues, honey. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. There's a cleansing. <laughs> and a lot of time I'm in church now and they'll start singing how sweet to hold a newborn baby they start singing it, and then one day I'll face something or another you know all them verses they'll start singing and because he lives and I'll relive that little shouting spell. It could be an old dead service and they're singing that and I'll be squalling, crying. Woo! Popping happy bubbles and they all studying me like I need to get spaced out on something, you know. Oh, honey. There's cleansing for our issues. There's a chapter for our issues. I'm going to say this. There's a second chance. Would you look at verse 14? Don't you get tired of them same issues being the same problem over and over again? Do you ever stop and think, can he really, is he really going to forgive me again? Is he really going to put up with me another round? This is the, this is the ten millionth time I've come with this same thing. <laughs> what I want to tell you is that number one, he's not keeping score. He kept score one day at Calvary. He put all your sin, he scored all your sins. Marked them and numbered them. Put them on the back of the Son of God. They carried them away. And He's willing to deal with you now because He already dealt with you. <laughs> and He also lives in eternity. And this He don't count times. He's just in the ever-present now. It's always now to Him. Lord, will You help me? He ain't going to say, Well, I helped you yesterday. He's never going to look over in the future and say, i got to help you again tomorrow. No, He's always right there right now. <laughs> Ooh, if y'all weren't so religious, I could preach that right. I need more blessings, sister. You quit on me now. Come on back. Thank you. Come on back. Circle that. Verse 14. And on the eighth day. See, you got to go through a seven-day cleansing. That's a cycle. By the way, Seven days a cycle. God don't fix everything right now. He enters into it and then He puts you through a cycle. Naming the leper, we got to baptize you seven times. You need to run to the top of that hill seven times. God goes through a cycle. <laughs> seven days. And on the eighth day, and I need somebody to finish this for me. Eight is the number of a new beginning. <laughs> he just always, he'll always give you a new beginning. He said, "This is like my thirty-seventh new beginning." 
He did, he's not keeping score. He'll give you a new beginning. Yes, Again. They said, Lord, are you kidding me? I have to forgive my enemy. Seven, what was it? Seven times? Seventy times seven. In a day. That's 490 times. And the Jewish day was 12 hours. 12 times 60 minutes. 720 minutes. If a fellow sinned against you 490 times in 720 minutes, y'all, we're averaging one and a half minute. Every 90 seconds this old boy is coming against me and I'm having to forget every 90 seconds. Where's that chandelier? If he told them boys every 90 seconds if somebody transgresses and comes against you and if he's repentant, if it is hard, he's sorry he done that to you. Did you forgive me? Okay, we're at 490 times in 720 minutes and I'm going to say if we then being evil would know how to do that. How much more shall our Heavenly Father There's another chance for you. And there will be another chance for you. And we're not giving you a license to sin. No, no, no. We're not giving you liberty and license to sin. We're just telling you that if any man do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sin. Not ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. And if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christians don't confess sins to keep their salvation. Christians confess sins to keep their fellowship. Amen. First John 1 9. Is it not a precious promise? Did you ever see that, where that's sandwiched? Between verse 8 and verse 10. Verse 8 says, If a man says, I have no sin, he's lying. And verse 10 says, If a man says he has not sinned, he's lying. What a good place for God to put that promise. Ain't that good? He said, I'm going to make a little announcement. Nobody here can say, I have no present sin. And nobody here can say, I have no past sin. And he jumped right in the middle of those two horrible things and said, if you'll just confess it, me and you can continue to get along real good. Hallelujah. There's a cleansing. For your sin, there's a chapter for you. There's another chance for your sin, and I'm going to close on this. But this is a big happy bubble. There's a cross for your sin. Read down in verse 15, and you'll find the word atonement. And the priest shall make an atonement for him <laughs> before the Lord for his issue. Whatever your issue is, whatever's coming out of your corrupt places. Running sores. I'm so glad that my high priest made an atonement. He died for what was wrong with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I may have to sign my own Bible again tonight just so I can remember this occasion. 
<laughs> Not because I think I'm a good preacher, but because I think I have a wonderful Savior. Amen. You know, the word atonement's only in the New Testament one time. Then Romans 5. Do you know the word Calvary is only in the New Testament? Only in the whole Bible at one time? Luke 23. That's interesting, isn't it? Seeing as how the whole New Testament is about the atonement made at Calvary, you think there'd be a bunch of them in there. But there's only one atonement. <laughs> there's only one Calvary. The only one you needed. Hallelujah. I hope that helps somebody. There's a cross. My high priest died, shed his blood for people that had issues. And he says, come unto me. Bring your sins and iniquities and transgressions. Now I'm trying to quit now. Cameraman done told me they had to pull out a wide angle to work on me. <laughs> and he said we had to get somebody to move it around. I'm trying to quit, but I want to say this to you. Romans 7 was not the last chapter in Romans. There's another chapter, Romans 8. There's therefore now no condemnation. <laughs> But the old boy struggling with all them issues. Calvary took care honey, of any condemnation. And then he told you the law of sin is not the only law operating in you. If you're saved, there's the law of the Spirit. And it's a greater law. I'm trying to quit. The law of the Spirit's greater than the law of sin. There's an indwelling sin that runs through, but there's an indwelling spirit and greater is He that's within me than that other stuff that's within me. Hallelujah. I was in that airplane coming back from Kansas sitting right over the wing and I was looking out there at that, at that jet engine. And I know that they didn't turn gravity off down there on planet Earth. It's still pulling down. Look. The law of gravity was being outdone by the law of thermodynamics. Please don't ask me any follow-up questions about thermodynamics. See Brother Lawson about these things. All I know was that thermo means hot and dynamic is great. <laughs> Whatever is out there, that engine was hot and powerful and better than gravity. There's a greater power in that engine keeping me up in the heavens than there was in that gravity trying to pull me down to earth. And thank God the Holy Ghost can... Folks, you can get over your issues after a while. You can get them cleaned out. You can get them healed up. Some things will bother you a long time. Some things He heals quick. Some things He heals slow. You just keep your running issues under that running water. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads. I want everybody to stand. Our musicians are coming. I feel like we might need to open up the altar. I know I'm not the only one wrestling with Romans 7 stuff. Our heads are bowed.
Would you all just like to come pray? Any Christians just want to come pray? Anybody here want to bring some issues to the Lord? I'm so glad that there's a cleansing for my issues and there's a chapter for them. There's a, there's a cross. I want them to play and I want them to sing and give people a chance to let the Lord help them in their soul. Every one of us has issues. But I'm so glad He's got something to help me with them. Father, take the Word of God and help us and bless us tonight. May somebody be strengthened and somebody be sanctified and somebody be helped greatly along the journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Go ahead and play for us. 375. Sing a verse. American Church. Just as I Stay.